please join us in worship with us. this morning. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this awesome opportunity that we have to be able to come here and worship the wonderful name of Jesus. Thank you so much for your death, burial, and resurrection that gives us salvation, that makes a way for us to be restored back to the Father when we had no way to do it ourselves. And Lord, we just ask that you would have your will and way in this service and that you would lead God and direct and we would all leave a little bit more like you because we met with Jesus here in this service today. And we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Um, welcome to East Taylorsville Baptist Church. Uh, if you're visiting with us today, uh, if you go out these back doors here in the main lobby, you'll see a little guest table there. And at that guest table, there's a little bag. You can grab one of those. And it's just got some information about our church and some ways that uh, we can connect with you. And um, so make sure that you grab one of those uh, as, as you go out. I just want to make a few quick announcements about VBS. Uh, VBS begins a week from today. And so this place is going to look a whole lot different between now and next Sunday. 
And uh, so if you are bored at home this week, if you will just give me a call, I will make sure that you're not bored. And uh, we'll give you some fun stuff to do. But uh, as you know, we, we kind of go all out here for VBS. And, um, and so all the help that we can get will be appreciated. Uh, also, along the lines of VBS, I know you guys are excited about getting your T-shirts. T-shirts are always a fun thing to get every year. Uh, and those are ready. They're here today. They are going to be in the fellowship hall. So as you leave today, if you will go into the main fellowship hall door there at the glass uh, doorway there in the fellowship hall, if you'll go through that main door and see Alyssa Miller, um, she will check you off and you'll find out where you're going to be serving and then you'll go out the back door on the other side so we can keep a good flow of, there's 140 volunteers this year, so uh, thankful for that and so there's going to be a lot of people going that way after the service so if we can make the flow of traffic go pretty well that will help us out a bunch but um, also next Sunday at 445 we'll have a leaders meeting right here in the Jennings building in the auditorium and so we'll meet here we're going to pray over all the seats and everything before we get started with VBS but that's all I've got concerning VBS um, tonight, today uh, from 2 to 5 our 3rd through 5th grade are welcome to come to our house the seniors to swim this afternoon it's looking like it's going to be partly cloudy and low 80s and the rain is going to be gone so uh, if you're in 3rd through 5th grade and your family would like to come to our house if you'll just reach out to myself or Courtney we will give you our address and we will see you there and we'll have a good time um, I just want to brag on East Taylorsville for a quick minute um, you know typically when you invite somebody you've probably had this happen to you you invite somebody to church and so they come to East Taylor's with me, and they'll say, oh, it's just such a big church. I just don't really think I want to go. Um, but in, in times of tragedy, our, our church becomes very small. Um, and so uh, with the, the Walker family this week, uh, Courtney and I were able to travel up there on Friday and spend a lot of time with the Walkers and go to the service yesterday. And when we went up there, we took a big stack of cards and uh, some gifts from Sunday school teachers and things for the girls. And so um, it was an honor to take those up there, and I just wanted to tell you guys thank you for being um, a small church in that moment and uh, Elizabeth and Adam both alike have just bragged and bragged and bragged on uh, church on our church and the way that you guys have reached out to them and, and their tragedy um, <clears throat> but I just wanted to read you a couple verses this morning um, that Elizabeth read uh, at the service uh, yesterday and it's something that they have felt and something that they're going to continue to need as we go forward so um, let me read you these verses. It's from Exodus 17. It says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Today or Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with my staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. So they took a stone and put it under him, and they sat on it. And while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other side, so his hands were steady until they were going down, until, until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with his sword. And so Elizabeth said that all week this week that she hasn't been able to hold her hands up to win. So uh, you guys here and her family up there have been on either side of her keeping her hands up, just like uh, Moses had to do. And so when they come home, they're going to come home probably late this week coming up to be here for VBS. But um, she wanted me to tell you that she still needs that to continue to hold their arms up. And so um, if you guys will do that when they come home, that would be a big help to them. But they are very grateful for you guys, and uh, they wanted me to pass that along to you this morning. So 
Um, with that in mind, let's stand up, turn to our neighbor, and tell him, welcome to East Taylor's. Well, it's not such a big church. It's quite small.
As we go to the Lord in prayer, um, need to make you aware of a couple things. Number one is, I'm going to ask you to pray for our pastor. Pastor Jamie's not here today, unexpectedly. He spent uh, most of late afternoon, evening at ER. Um, not sure exactly what's going on. Could be just simple heat exhaustion yesterday. He's going to have some more tests done. I uh, just texted him right before the service, said he's feeling better but really tired this morning so I, I told him uh well i need to tell him we got to work on this timing thing of letting me know this stuff a little bit earlier don't do this on saturdays but um but we do need to lift up jamie uh, he is feeling better but would uh does need your prayer pray that they find out what's going on that he does feel better um, but also just remember elizabeth walker as justin mentioned some of you may have had a chance to watch the live stream of the service two amazing men but what I took from, from that service yesterday was their hope was in Jesus. And that was what makes all the difference in a tragedy like that, senseless tragedy, that their hope is in Christ. Jesus was praised yesterday. And uh, we just want to continue to lift up Elizabeth Walker and her family. They'll spend most of this week there with the family. But um, they are in need of prayer. And then as Justin also mentioned, we want to pray for VBS coming up next week. Um, and I don't know what's going on in your life, but the fact is we are all broken people. We all have need. And every week we come together, the privilege we have to call on the Lord is something that we should not take lightly. So as we get ready to go to the Lord in prayer, we want to invite you to come. You may want to pray for one of these, or maybe there's something going on in your life or maybe a friend's life, and you want to be the one that intercedes for them this morning here at the altar. We're going to invite you to do that. As our praise team leads us in this, you come. And let's pray together. As we begin our time of prayer, just thank the Lord for all that He has brought you through. There may be specific things to come that come to your mind. You say, "God, thank you for bringing me through this or that." Just thank Him for His faithfulness in your life. That you could be in this place today and worship. Of all the times He's forgiven, all the times He's strengthened, all the time He's been faithful. Just thank Him for that. And as a congregation, let's lift up our pastor as he goes through some tests this week. Pray that um, they would find what they need to, that he would find strength and healing and encouragement even today. And let's lift up Elizabeth Walker and her family as they grieve. That the Lord would continue to strengthen them and through all that's transpired, that the name of Jesus would go forth. Lord, we're thankful that we can call on you. Lord, we're thankful that you're with us. And Lord, your grace is more than sufficient to meet every need that we have. Lord, there are so many needs that are represented in this room today. There are so many things that secretly people struggle with. There are hurts, there are memories, there's regrets. But Lord, you are the answer. Jesus, that's why you died on the cross. We are more than conquerors through Christ who gives us strength. So, Lord, I pray that you'd meet us where we're at. For whatever the need is, I pray that you'd meet them there. 
And Lord, we will give you all the praise and all the glory for what you do and what only you can do. And Lord, today as we continue to worship, Lord, as we hear from your word, I pray that you'd speak to us and challenge us today. Help us to walk in obedience and never quit and never give up. And Lord, we want to tell you we love you and thank you for Jesus Christ, our only hope. We pray in his mighty name. Amen. sure by now God you would have reached down and wiped our tears away stepped in and saved the day once again I say amen and it's still raining and as the thunder rolls I barely hear you whisper through
Amanda, I want to thank you, not just for singing that song, but thank you for your testimony in singing that. And what an amazing anchor of truth we have, that no matter what we go through, we can praise him in the middle of a storm. Thank you, Amanda, for blessing our congregation. Well, I want to begin with a confession. I love watching fails videos on YouTube. I love watching bloopers. I love watching how people make mistakes. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing of watching other people's misfortune. One of those things I like to watch, and you've probably seen them too, are sports videos where people celebrate a little too early. You may have seen football players, professional football players, making millions and millions of dollars who get ready to cross the end zone for a touchdown and let go of the ball in celebration before they even cross the plane. The plane. And then you've seen, I've seen softball teams, baseball teams, who make that out thinking it's the last out only to find out they only had two outs and the runs score and they lose the game. They celebrated a little bit too early. There's one specific video that I've seen many times. It's one of a runner from the University of Oregon who's running a race, and as he approaches the finish line in this long-distance event, 
he begins to showboat a little bit. He pumps up his hands trying to get the crowd up in doing so, thinking that he is about to get the victory. Unaware to him, there was another runner whose head was down, faced forward, looking at the finish line, not the crowd from the University of Washington. In fact, let's just watch it. How about that? Let's just watch this. Take my word for it, there's a moral to this story. Yeah, it looked like a coronation for Tanche Pepio. University of Oregon runner Tanchi Pepio was ahead in the men's steeplechase at the Pepsi Team Invitational and began cheering as he approached the finish line, thinking he was going to win the race. Oh, but not so fast. <laughs> University of Washington's Marin Simon came from behind to win by one-tenth of a second over Tan Che. Simon told the Oregonian, I thought he was so far ahead, then I heard the crowd get crazy. And then he started throwing his hands up, and I thought, I don't think he knows I'm coming. And Tan Che told the publication, I just wanted to celebrate winning in front of our crowd. I was excited about it, but the race wasn't over. It wasn't very smart, but it was a learning experience. Yes, it must have been a learning experience, and something he'll surely never do again. And you know, no one has to say anything. They don't have to explain it to him. He'll never make that mistake again. My favorite part of the video, I don't know if you could see it from where you were, was that split second he sees, I don't know if he's seeing a monitor, but the guys coming beside him, his eyes go boop. Because <laughs> he realizes in that moment of early celebration, a split second, a tenth of a second, meant the difference between winning and losing the race. Here's the simple lesson learned in the race here. Don't celebrate too early because it may cost you. Don't celebrate till you cross the line. Don't celebrate till the race is over. Spiritually speaking, I think there are times in our lives where we begin to celebrate a little bit too early. Churches can begin to, in some ways in our flesh, get a little prideful. And there's times where it seems like we've kind of put our lives on cruise control in our walk with the Lord. And that race we were running so hard has become this slow pace. Not that we're getting off course, but we've let up just a little bit. And we haven't finished the race yet and we're kind of celebrating, showboating just a little bit and there's a danger there for us as individuals in our walk with the Lord and I say especially as I've gotten older there's this temptation to kind of you just maybe want to let up just a little bit because like I've had all these years of faithful ministry can I just take it easy a little bit but that's not the case today I want to challenge you I hope that this is a challenge and an encouragement to all of us today and a reminder that the race isn't over yet the fact that you're sitting in this room today, the fact that you woke up this morning, means that your race is not done. God is not through with your life. It is not time to let up yet. There is more race to run. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 3. In this probably brief, hopefully simple message, I want us to look at this title, The Mindset of the Mature. The mindset of the mature. How do we live life with a mature mindset based on Scripture? And we're going to look specifically at Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. And we're going to look at three main points. First one is to evaluate honestly. Second part is to pursue diligently. 
And the third is to remember constantly. If you would stand for the reading of God's word, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 3, and we're just going to begin with verse 12. Paul writing says this, Not that I have already attained, or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if, if in anything you think otherwise, God reveal, reveal it, even this, to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your faithfulness through the years. And Lord, we're all tempted at times to put things on cruise control. But Lord, help us to be um, reminded today that the race is not finished yet. There is more work to be done. There is a greater depth of love and service that we can have toward you. And Lord, until you call us home, help us to keep this focus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So the first thing we're going to look at is this. The mindset of the mature, the first one is this. We must learn to evaluate honestly. Evaluate our lives honestly. It's hard to imagine that there's been anyone, I don't know if you can think of anyone that you'd say is more committed to Christ than the Apostle Paul. Would you all agree with that? I mean, we look at that at, at his life. We look at what he did. I mean, most of our New Testament we have inspired by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. But I can't think of many more people that are more committed to Christ than the Apostle Paul was. I mean, in our world, what we usually do is kind of have up on our pedestal, we have Billy Graham, right? Everybody like, let's put Billy Graham up there. Well, here's Billy Graham, and then up here's the Apostle Paul. And then you have Jesus. But you look at his life, and you look and see what he says. He acknowledges this. He says, he has not yet attained. He has not already been perfected. He says, I do not count myself to have apprehended or made it his own yet. This maturity this place of ultimate maturity and completeness. He says, I am not there yet. That's the Apostle Paul. Now, how does that hit you? How do you receive that? I don't know about you, but that, this little verse right here is one of the most encouraging to me as a follower of Christ. Because I look at Paul's life, and I look at how God radically changed his life, and I look at the impact he's had and really through the church through all these generations. And here is Paul, the Apostle Paul, saying, I am not there yet. So encouraging, and I hope it is to you. I've been a Christian now for 43 years. I've been in full-time ministry for 28 years now. But I, if I'm honest, there are still times when I can allow the Holy Spirit to search my heart, to peel back my external works, the things that everybody else sees, and there is still conviction, and there are still times of brokenness, as he graciously reminds me that I still have a ways to go. I have not become all he wants to, to me to be yet, and I have not done all that he has prepared for me to do. It's a sobering truth that there is a deeper devotion to Jesus Christ that's possible for me. 
there is a deeper devotion to Christ that's possible for you. And I'm not saying you're walking in disobedience. I'm just saying there is so much more there. We will never get to the depths of the greatness of our Savior. And here Paul is acknowledging it. He is not there yet. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at your neighbor, one of them, pick a neighbor. And I want you to look them in the eye and tell them, I'm not there yet. Doesn't that feel good? Now I want you to look back at that neighbor and say this, you're not there yet either. (laughs) If we are all honest, there are parts of our lives, like the Apostle Paul is saying here, that we still struggle to bring under complete lordship of Jesus Christ, complete control to the Lord. Now there was a popular saying, and most of you have probably heard this, and it's attributed to Hudson Taylor. He said, Christ is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Have you ever heard that saying? He's Lord of all or not Lord at all. Now that's a a saying I heard a lot growing up. The danger with that verse, if it's misunderstood or even misused, is that that verse can tiptoe along the lines of legalism. If God's not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. And I can remember hearing that as a young believer, knowing when I've had bad days, and I'm like, wow, I don't know if I can get to that standard. If he's not Lord of all of my life, then he's not Lord at all. The danger is that it can be misused misunderstood and it leaves no room for this process of sanctification in all of our lives let's be honest and I'm not going to have y'all stand or come confess or anything is Jesus the Lord 100% of your this, these areas of your life are they 100% surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Well, let's just be honest here how about your relationships Are all of your relationships 100% surrendered completely and perfectly to the Lordship of Jesus? If you're married, and I'm married, I realize every day that that part of my life is not surrendered 100%. (laughs) I don't perfectly serve Sonia all the time. There's still room in my marriage and that relationship that I need to submit to the Lord regularly, often daily, in order to be obedient to the Lord. Every time she walks from the dryer with her arms full of clothes and drops them on our couch to be folded and I'm sitting right there beside of her in a chair, guess what choice I have to make right there? I can serve her like Christ served the church or I can get in my world and say, man, I've I've had a long day. I am really tired. There are so many times that in my marriage I can find myself things being revealed in that relationship where I'm selfish, I'm petty. Sometimes I can be lazy. I can be in my own world. Any of you ever relate to that, men and women? So relationships, I'll be honest, I'm not 100% there. I strive, but I'm not there. How about your money, how you spend your money? Is it 100% surrendered to the perfect will of God and how he wants you to use it and spend it? How about your career? How about your kids and how you're raising your kids? How you live before your kids? How about your church life? Is it 100% surrendered to you're doing all that God wants you to do? Your time, your mouth. Is your mouth, (laughs) the things you say at all times, surrendered 100% to the Lordship of Christ? Or do you have those moments? 
where you have not yet attained, you are not perfected, you have not yet apprehended it at all. How about your body? Is every complete act of your body under self-control by the Holy Spirit? How about your mind? Is it always pure in thought and motive? Your emotions and your attitudes. Are your emotions and attitudes perfectly surrendered 100% to the Lordship of Christ? Is he Lord of all that? How about when somebody cuts you off in traffic? How about when somebody takes 20 items in the 10 item or less aisle at Walmart or Food Line? Point is this, and this is so encouraging. I hope some of you can let this sink in that are just striving and striving and striving and you're thinking, I'm never going to get there, never going to get there. The Apostle Paul was admitting, he evaluated honestly, he was not there yet. Warren Wiersbe said, a divine dissatisfaction is essential for spiritual progress. We are not there yet. That honest evaluation should compel you, compel me to do this next thing. Not only evaluate honestly as the mature mindset, but secondly is this, that we would pursue diligently. That Greek word there means to move quickly, energetically, pressing on towards some objective. He said, I press on. It means I reach forward. If you can imagine the race, and Paul referred to these races, the Olympics and athletes so many times, it's like straining forward. You can think of the runner who is crossing the line, getting all he can out of that race, just stretching one more inch to win, pressing toward the goal. This word to press on is in the Greek active voice, which means that it is a choice that we all have to make every day. It's on us. We have to make a decision each day actively to put forth effort in pursuing and obeying Jesus. And it is something that's present tense, which means it's a choice we make continuously, habitually, that reflects in our lifestyle, that we press on, that we press on. Verse, look back at the verse. He says, I press on that I may lay hold for that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Pressing on. Philippians 2.12 backs that up. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There is an active part of us in cooperation and obedience to the Holy Spirit at work in our life, but there is a choice that we make each day as to how we're going to pursue Christ and live for Him each day. Spiritual maturity never happens without effort and cooperation and submission to His Word and to His Holy Spirit in our life. But here's the reality, we always press on. There's times where we do not obediently strain forward and press toward the goal. I want to give you three things that we need to watch out for. These aren't in the text, these are just some thoughts. Some things that we all need to guard against if we want to press on and not let anything get in the way. Number one is this, we need to be careful that we don't, let, we don't get content with our level of seeking Him. Don't just get content with where your walk is with him. Not that there's anything wrong with your walk right now, but we got to be careful that we don't get settled and content with our walk with him each day. We can say, well, we went to Sunday school, we went to worship, we pray before our meals, 
But let me ask you, are we truly seeking him first in everything? Be careful that we don't get content with our level of seeking him right now. Second one is this, be careful that we don't allow our comfort to get in the way of our calling. In our culture, the American culture, nobody likes pain, right? Everything we do is to make our lives more convenient, easier. We don't like to suffer. But we've got to be careful, especially here in America, because we are so blessed that we don't allow our comforts to get in the way of our calling. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Be careful that you don't allow your comfort to get in the way of the works that God has for you to do. And that's an easy place to get to. And then the third one, be careful that our complacency doesn't hinder our commitment to finish well. There's times where we can just get complacent. We're satisfied, but we don't put forth the effort. We need to guard ourselves against this and pursue diligently. Hebrews 12 says this. It says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Let us press on. Let us strain. Let us sacrifice. And may we continue to move forward to something greater than what we've attained up to this point. Let me ask you this question. I really want you to think about this. Do you believe that there is a deeper, more intimate relationship that the Lord wants with you than what you have right now? I'm not saying you don't have a relationship. I'm not saying it's not good. But do you actually believe that there is possibly a reality that God wants a deeper walk with you than you have right now? We must not quit. We press on. Do you believe that it's possible that there is a deeper level of transformation that he desires for you? Do you believe it's possible that there could be the possibility that you could be more conformed to the image of Christ than you are at this moment? More conformed to the image of Christ so that others, coworkers, employees, families, that waitress that you're going to see later this week, that they may see Christ better in you than they are right now. We must continue to pursue diligently. That is the mindset of the mature. We don't step back. We don't set cruise control. We press on and we strain forward in our walk with him because there is so much more than what we have to this point. And then a third one is this. We must remember constantly. Remember constantly. What do we need to remember? First of all is this. We need to remember our redemption. Remember our redemption. Again, verse 12. He says, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Now, reading that, it's kind of hard to understand exactly what he's saying. Uh, the next verse is this. This is the way the ESV puts it. He said, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul is saying, I am striving, I am pressing on to this because I know what he's done for me. He made me his own. I belong to him. We must remember our redemption. This is the greatest motivation to pressing on 
this constant awareness that he has made us his own is what we need every day. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20 says, For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We must never allow ourselves to get over what Christ has done for us. And I'm saying that to me and I'm saying that to you. Never allow yourself to get over what Christ has done for you. By God's amazing grace, I became his when I was seven years old. I was in sitting in that west parking lot beside the sanctuary on a Sunday night service. Sunday night service like I'd been to many, many, many times, but I sat in the car that night. I still remember it today, and it was different. There was a conviction, there was an awareness in my life, even as a seven-year-old kid, to where I became aware of my need for Jesus. And as a seven-year-old boy under conviction, as best I knew how, I placed my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior in my bedroom that night. I understood I was a sinner and I believed that Christ died for me. And as a seven-year-old boy, in my, my depth of understanding and appreciation for what Jesus had done for me, I guess I could characterize it as, it was as genuine as it could be, but it was about as deep as a bathtub. And it was very real to me. But as a seven-year-old, my appreciation and gratitude and understanding of, his, of my salvation because of what Christ had done for me was honestly about as deep as a bathtub. But then I can remember when I got into middle school and I started to understand a little bit better some of the amazing truths of the gospel. Not fully, but just better. The things that I had, as a seven-year-old boy, accepted and trusted in, that truth of who Jesus was began to shape me more than it had before in middle school. I began to understand and grow in ways that I hadn't grow, hasn't grown before. And it was like I was going from the bathtub as a seven-year-old into the swimming pool now. Still in the shallow end, but I'm in a bathtub. I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a pool, a lot better than a bathtub. And my appreciation and gratitude and understanding of who Jesus was and my salvation got a little bit deeper, a little bit bigger. Then I got into high school and I began to serve more. I began to read the Bible more. And I began to sense a leading of the Holy Spirit to go into possibly going into ministry. And I went from the shallow end of the pool and it felt like I was moving into a deeper end of the pool. And it was a little bit harder, but it was so much better, so much more there. And then, like all of us, there are times where we are in the deep end of the pool and year, 10 years later, 20 years later, 30 years later, you think you finally understand things and then you get deeper and you realize he's bigger and he's better and he's greater and he's more faithful than I ever thought he could be. He is more of a provider than I ever thought he could be. And we move from the deep end of the pool and we realize that where we're swimming is in an ocean. God is that big. He is that deep. His greatness is that wonderful. And we got to be careful that we don't stay in that shallow end of the pool in our understanding. We must never forget and get over our salvation and the gospel. Don't ever get used to hearing that. 
And sometimes people in a church are like, why, why are they always talking about the cross? Well, listen, that's not trivial. That is the meat. <laughs> that is the foundation. Everything flows out from God's amazing plan through Christ Jesus, his son. We will never exhaust the depths of Christ and his great love and redemption, but we still press on. We still go deeper. We still move forward because we're not there yet. Ephesians 3.18 says this, And we may have power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. We must never move past the gospel. We move only deeper into it. And I want to challenge you. Preach the gospel to yourself each day. Remember constantly. Remember your redemption. Preach the gospel to yourself daily. Remind yourself regularly of your redemption. And then we also not only need to remember our redemption, we need to remember to forget. And I'll move quickly. Verse 13, he says, forgetting what is behind. Biblically speaking, we need to understand when it talks about how God forgets, remembers no more, it's not that God has lost his memory. That is um, a violation of his character. God is omniscient, therefore God can't not know something. But like Hebrews 10, 17 says, their sins are, and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Biblically speaking, to forget what is behind means that it, what happened in the past is no longer being held against us. It doesn't influence us any longer. We don't allow the past to control our present. Th aren't you thankful that your past, your past does not control your present relationship with the Lord? We must remember to forget. There's two things, and I'll move quickly. We must remember to forget past guilt. I am thankful that God forgets my sin, that he doesn't hold it against me. It no longer influences my walk and fellowship with him today. But let me tell you, it is healthy to consider it. It's healthy not to forget it, but you need to be reminded he doesn't hold it against you anymore. When we remember where we were and what he's brought us through can be one of the most powerful motivating factors in our striving to please and honor and serve him. And not only do we need to forget the past regrets, the past guilt, we need to forget sometimes the past glories. On a negative sense, we forget our past sin, but on a positive note, sometimes we need to forget past glories. We need to be careful that we don't hang our hats on past accomplishments and past victories because sometimes we on past accomplishments can bring complacency to the present. We're like, those were the glory days. Those were the good old days back then. Now, those were great. That's not where we live. God's got greater things for us to do now. So not only do we forget past regrets, past guilt, we need to forget past glories at times. And then I'm going to close with this. We won't have time to go through all this. We need to remember the prize. Remember the prize. I'm going to ask Sharon if she would come on up. As we get ready to close this service, we need to remember the prize. We press on 
we press forward to the upward call. The finish line is clear, and the prize for all of us has been promised. We press on towards something that right now we can't even imagine. And as we close, I just want to remind you of what it is we look forward to. In Revelation 21, it says this, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these things are true and faithful. And then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the foundation of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Listen, heaven is going to be an amazing place, is it not? I can't wait. I can't wait to get there. There are days I confess, Lord, come on now. I'm ready. Heaven's going to be amazing to see the place that he has prepared for us. And not only what we're going to see, what he's prepared, but I cannot wait to see family that's gone on and friends that we've lost. So many of this congregation over these past many years of ministry here, we've lost so many that have gone home to be with the Lord. I cannot wait to see them again. But as good as it's going to be like that, the greatest prize is we get to be with Him. Unhindered by these physical bodies, with our struggle with sin, the greatest prize that we press on toward is we get to be with Him for eternity. That we have that relationship with Him for eternity, unhindered by any struggles that we've had. He is the greatest reward. He is the greatest prize, and He is the one we press on toward. So here's what my challenge is. Press on. Don't quit. Don't settle. We're not there yet. For all of us, keep on growing in His Word. Keep on praying. Keep on serving. Keep on walking with other believers through good days and bad days. Keep on sharing the good news. Keep on enduring hardships. Keep on pursuing Jesus because it will be worth it all. No matter how you're struggling right now, no matter how dark your days can get, keep pressing on because He is worth it. Galatians 6.9 says this, Don't grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. That is a mindset of the mature. We're not in cruise control. We're pressing on, seeking to be faithful no matter what we face because he's worth it. If you would stand with us. If you would, bow your heads. And I hope that you'll be honest. Just take an honest evaluation. Just say, Lord, where is it that I'm at? Have I gotten too comfortable? 
Have I become complacent? Have I put it on cruise control? Or am I truly, diligently, earnestly seeking you as I should? And just ask him, Lord, help me to know you better. Help me to love you more, worship you more. Lord, help me to be even more faithful than I've been. Just help me to be obedient. And as always, if there's someone here that does not know the Lord as your Lord and Savior, doesn't know Christ, you can know Him today by simply trusting in Him. And just tell Him, Lord, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I know that I'm guilty, that I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. And Jesus, you're my only hope. And as best I know how, I trust in you to be my Savior. And if any of you genuinely confess that today I hope that you'll share that with someone Lord we thank you that you are with us thank you for your challenging word Lord we can all get tired we can all get weary Lord there are times where we just aren't motivated but Lord help us to remember to press on to depend on your Holy Spirit to work in cooperation with what you want us to do depend on you each day Lord to be all that you want us to be but Lord understand that there's so much more if we'll just trust you and I pray that you would encourage your congregation here today help us to be faithful in Jesus name amen as we sing this closing song of invitation I'll be available at the front if you need to talk let's sing this together as we close thank you all for being here today and I want to encourage you before you leave if you're serving in Bible school please stop by as just said get your t-shirt today and also encourage you please pray for our pastor Um, he gets to feeling better but right now you're dismissed hope you have a great Sunday afternoon